0: Hey, everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, to this Sunday, we're going to continue the series that we started last week. God's wisdom for healthy relationships. So I hope that you came today hoping to get a little healthier in your relationships. And last week we talked about Single people, right? Not many times do single people get a a, a relationship talk just for you. I hope you will check that out if you missed that last week. If you are a single person or you love a single person or you're raising a single person, something like that, this could be really helpful for you. This Sunday, we're going to take a a next step and talk about relationships in the context of marriage this morning. And specifically, I want to talk to you about gender roles between men and women, in marriage, within marriage. Now, the moment I talk about that and put that on the screen, some of you may get a little tense, you know, because you're not sure how you feel about that. Um, but let me just say, I know this has been a struggle for a lot of people, depending on where you grew up, how you grew up, your background, what your experiences have been. It's been a struggle for a lot of people, especially for women in a lot of contexts, in cultural contexts. And, and there's a reason for that. Every culture in history has found a way to interpret male leadership in a way that marginalizes and or oppresses women. Now, not everybody has done this, but there have been examples of and throughout history. And many of you know this about me. I'm a dad of three girls. I want to make sure we get this right, okay? I want to make sure we go back and look at what did God actually say about gender roles in marriage. What did he actually say to men and women? We're going to start that conversation today, and I really hope that this is an encouragement to you. It kind of helps set the tone going forward for your marriage, or if you're a single person hoping to be married someday, this might help you to be able to know what to expect and what to look for in that future of that relationship. So, This morning, whether you would consider yourself or identify yourself as someone who is an egalitarian, you are a feminist, you are a traditionalist, you are a complementarian, let me just tell you, when you enter into marriage, doesn't matter what your background is, when you enter into marriage, one of the inescapable, undeniable realities that you will experience is that men and women are different, right, it's an inescapable, undeniable reality. And I'm not talking just about physical differences, which obviously that is different. But what I'm also talking about, we see things differently. We process things differently. We have different strengths and weaknesses. And what I hope that you will see today is that those strengths and weaknesses are given to us not to be in competition with each other, but to be a complement to each other. That God did that on purpose. And I want you to think about this. Every one of us comes into marriage with an idea of gender roles. Every single person, regardless of your background, you have some preconceived notion when you go into marriage or you're thinking about going into marriage of what a healthy husband is looks like, should do, should be expected to do, right? What is a healthy wife, what she looks like, what she be, should be expected to do within a marriage. We even have um, expectations about and preconceived notions about you know, parents and children and what that relationship should look like. But let's be honest, all of those kind of um, presuppositions about marriage have been formulated in our mind by some preexisting experience. By and large, it's from our family of origin. It was the family you grew up with, good or bad. You know, it it shaped you, didn't it? Some of you may have wounds from your family of origin. You love them, but man, they hurt you, and there was some unhealthy stuff that happened in the home. And if you're not careful, you will carry that old normal into your marriage, and you'll create a a normal there that is not healthy and can't be sustained and will wind up destroying your marriage so you have to really take a look at this we're also shaped by friendships people who have spoken into our life people we're close with or maybe other marriages we've seen like i love the way they treat each other i want to adopt some of that i love how that family interacts with each other man that's not like my family but i want to learn from them and that's great we also get influenced by influencers in our culture today, whether it's on social media, maybe it's a, a, a blog that we read, maybe it's a podcast we follow or TikTok or whatever. You've got this information that's coming into your life. You read their books, you listen to what they say, they influence you. Maybe it's media that you're you're watching, movies that you watch, that you love, right? Shows that you have binge-watched. It is movies, pardon me, music that you've listened to, and all of those things have messaging. They are all discipling us, and I'm using that word on on purpose. It's discipling us in a particular direction. It's informing our view of what gender roles look like and what marriage should look like, and that we come away with some very passionate emotional positions on some of these topics and let me just say something that we all know is true but we forget sometimes when we get worked up about something it's just because we're emotional about something doesn't mean we're right (laughs) it doesn't mean we're right and so what I want us to do today is take a step back I know some of this can be kind of contentious it can be controversial for some people and there's a lot of emotions around it but I want to ask you to do something with me today regardless of where your background is, of what you grew up with and what your preconceived notions are, if you would be willing for just a moment to suspend judgment on these roles of men and women and that you would be willing to be at least open to the fact that God intended gender roles to be for our good, that there should be a compliment, there should be a, uh, a blessing that happens for men and women working together, right? I'm not asking you to stop thinking. I'm asking you to just be open-minded. I think most of us would like to think that we are open-minded. And what I mean by open-minded, let me define that real quick. What I mean by open-minded is that we're coming with the assumption that maybe there is more that God wants us to know than what we currently know. There's more that God wants us to know than what we currently know. I think we all would say, yeah, probably so. I'm not omniscient yet, right? I don't know everything. Um, Probably there's some more God would like to teach me. So this is where I'd like us to start today. So we're gonna start our conversation, this discussion, this sermon, all the way back to the first mention of gender in the Bible. It's actually the first mention of humanity in the Bible in the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter one, starting with verse 27 and 28. Let's take a look at this together, all right? Here's what it says. So God created mankind in his own, let's say it together, his own image, right? In the image of God, he created them, plural. Who is he talking about, them? Male and female, he created them, all right? He's creating both men and women in his own image. Here's what he goes on to say. God blessed them, let's say it together, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And to put it another way, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So let's take a couple of observations about God's created order here about gender. First, we notice God doesn't make generic people, does he? Going all the way back to the beginning. If I was to put it in a scientific or biological perspective, you know, uh, put it frame, in framing that, it, that way, every cell in our bodies is stamped with an XX or XY chromosome, isn't it? Every one of them. It, it's either male or female. All, every cell in our body tells us this. It's, it's, it's powerful. What God's really showing us is He's showing us that gender is not a social construct, which is... a by and large, one of the big postmodern theories that are claiming this today, that it's something that we just create. We, in other words, are God. We get to pick. We make it all up. God's saying, no, there is a reality to who you are. There is a reality to who you are that if you live in denial of that, you will never truly know who you are. If we live in conflict with the way that God has designed us, there will be a constant turmoil and battle within us always. And it's important that we start there to begin to understand, are we believing truth that is incongruent with the reality of the universe that God has created? And he says we must start there to understand this. And when God created, let's talk about the things that we have in common, men and women. When God created men and women, he created us with absolute equality. So let's talk about that equality for a minute. We were both made in the image of God. In other words, not just men reflect the image of God and not just women. We do it together. This is interesting, isn't it? This, this is not something we hear a whole lot. or Maybe you've never heard that before. It is in reflection together that we reflect the image of God. Both are equally blessed by God. He says he blessed them, right? That God has given his blessing. He says, I'm with you. Um, And then the next is that he's given both of them dominion over the earth to subdue it, to rule over it, he said. In other words, it is men and women together, the man and woman together that are to create families create communities to take care of and steward the earth, all of creation. We were intended to do these things together. This is what he intended, and it's beautiful that this is something that we can only do together in complementary union with each other. This was God's intent from the beginning. And it's interesting, you see this reflected again in the very next chapter, in Genesis chapter two, when God looks down, there's this, this is a short period of time, but between the time that Adam was made and Eve was made, that God looks down and he sees Adam by himself, and he responds in, in one of the most unique ways. You, you might not expect this at all, but here's what God says in verse 18 of chapter 2. The Lord said, "It is, let's say it together, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now let's just take a minute to reflect on this. And I want you to think for a minute theologically, all right, De- a little deeper about this. This is a, a, a unique moment in history where God has created everything up to this point, and he said it's been good. All the fish of the sea, it's good. All the birds of the air, good, right? All the beasts of the field, good. Night, day, good. Light, darkness, good. It's all good. Everything's good. The first thing that's not good is this? And you may say, "Well, it's because Adam's—he's a stinking sinner, right? Like that's his sin." But guess what? Sin doesn't show up till the next chapter. The fall of humanity doesn't happen till Genesis three, so he hasn't even sinned yet. He's got God, like in a perfect relationship with God. You would think, "Well, he's got a perfect relationship. What? Well, he doesn't need a woman. He's got God, right?" But there is something about the way in which God made Adam. He says. It's not good. He's not complete. He's not done. Well, I'm not done, finished creating yet. So God, in all of his wisdom, all of his power, his genius, here's what the second half of the verse, how he ends. Because it's not good, he says, I will make a helper suitable for him, right? A helper suitable. Now, I know some of you ladies are looking, I'm not crazy about either one of those words, helper or suitable, okay? <laughs> I get it, I understand. But here's the, here's, the, here's the thing, you have to understand. Anytime we translate something from one language to another, especially something like Hebrew to English, the translation's not gonna be perfect. I mean, it's good, but there are some things that are missed. Any of you who are bilingual, you know that sometimes when you take things from Spanish to English or French to English or any other lang- language to English, it doesn't quite perfectly, like you have to have more words to kind of help fill in and color the picture more fully because there's some cultural stuff that gets missed sometimes. So let me unpack these two words that have been grossly misdefined at different points in history. So let's talk about this for a minute. First of all, helper. Helper comes from the Hebrew root ezer. It means to make up for what is lacking in him with your strength. This word Ezer here, important to note, the majority of the times it's used in the Old Testament was used to describe God himself as the helper of his people, that he was to help Israel. In Psalm 79.9 he says, I will be your helper, your salvation, I will atone for your sin and I will make you right. I will bring all the strength necessary to bring you in right relationship with me, to make you complete in me, right? He's saying, he's using this to describe what he's about to create next, who he's about to make next, that he's gonna use your strength, ladies, to help make up for the lack in him. And then next he says, helper suitable. Now this word suitable here is a compound phrase. If I were to translate it literally, it literally means like opposite of him. Like like him, of the same stuff as him, but the opposite, the complement of him, right? Like opposite of him, like him, but the opposite or complement of him. Some, someone who is a complement to every component of him that is wired a little different, down to not just psychology, but even biology. There is a fitting together, I won't go into that, but you understand what I'm talking about everything is meant to be a complement between man and woman now this is what he intended did it stay like that not for very long what went wrong after the fall let's talk about it for a second i'm going to sum this up i encourage you to go back and read genesis 3 sometime just read about the fall it's a very fascinating story. We've gone into it at other times and other messages, and I will do it again. But this morning, for the sake of time, let me summarize that the man and the wife, the man and the woman, the Adam and Eve in the garden, they sinned against God. Sin entered into the world. And when that happened, at the moment that happened, a huge shift took place. It went from unity between the two of them to strife to manipulating and using one another, to blame shifting, finger pointing, and accusations. No more was there this love and unity. Now it was, like I said, using and manipulation. The the woman's love for her husband turned into, and we see this later in verse 16, God says, your, your desire will be for your husband. It's a Hebrew word that means the desire to want to control he says, "You will want to control wives. You want there's something down. You, there's a tendency that wants to control your husband, and 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 men. Your general attitude towards women is going to shift from love and willing the good for her, whatever the best is for her, to selfish lust and exploitation." In a way, if I could summarize it, it's each one pointing to the other and saying, how can I use them to get what I want? How can I use them to get what I want? And this has happened over and over and over through history down to this moment of you hearing my voice, that people continue to approach relationships in this manner. They don't even know it. It's subconscious. It's like just built into the culture. Like, you just should get what you want as long as you get happy and you get what you want from her. You get what you want from him. Then that's a great relationship, right? Very selfishly driven. In the moment, I can't get what I want from you. Done with you. I'm out of here. I'm gonna go find somebody who will give me what I want. And we have this epidemic of the no fault divorce or and there's so many places it manifests itself that it's just i'm done let's move on i'm gonna find somebody else in this catastrophic cascade avalanche of heartbreak and devastation to follow and what it does to the kids i grew up in a home where there was multiple divorces it hurts it hurts everybody So this is what it does to us. This is what it does to us as a human race. So the question we ask is, okay, as we turn our focus to the New Testament of Jesus coming as the Redeemer of the world, the Redeemer of His people, and the Redeemer of marriage and the roles within it, what has Jesus done to redeem these gender roles? What has He done to redefine or maybe to define, to to return to the original definition that God intended You see, Jesus did such a beautiful job of coming as a servant leader and as strength submitted, both the male role as servant leader and strength submitted, a strong helper. He was both simultaneously. He set an example for all of us, for men and women, for husbands and wives. He becomes the role model for all of us to follow. There's this beautiful passage in the New Testament the Apostle Paul wrote as he wrote to the church in Philippi, the Philippian letter. We refer to it. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 5. And this is one of the earliest known documented hymns of the first century church that they would sing together. It would remind them what Jesus has come to set an example to do, how to treat one another. Now, I love this. In verse 5, it tells us, it says, in your relationships, not just your marriages, but in in every relationship, in your relationships with one another, have the same, let's say this together, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the mind of Christ to approach your marriage the way Jesus approaches you. And, And engage that relationship the way that Jesus has engaged a relationship with you. And and so how is that? What is that all about? What does that mean? What is he talking about? So he unpacks what he means. He says, Jesus, who being the very nature of God, in other words, make no mistake about it, he was equal to God in authority and power, knowledge, every other way. All of it, totally equal with God, right? Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He submitted and surrendered all that strength. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Submitted himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And what was the father's response to this? Did the father look at this and say, what an expression of weakness No, he said, there is no greater expression of strength. There is no greater thing that should be exalted than what Jesus is doing for all of you right now. Here's what he says, Therefore the Father, God, exalted him to the place, the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus sets an example by self-sacrificial love. He surrenders his position, his power, his authority for the sake of the other. He sets us an example. He says, this is the Jesus role I'm asking you to follow in your marriage and in every other relationship in your life to learn how to put other people first. Back in Philippians chapter two, just a couple of verses before that, where we started in verse five, he says, um, "Let don't have any, no, no, um, um, Personal advantage, don't try to utilize other people and the relationship with them for your own advantage, but rather in humility, value others above yourself, he says. I want you to learn how to love like I love you. And so both husbands and wives are called to this role in marriage, learning how to love each other in this way. Learning how to put the other one first. Now I want to turn our attention to Ephesians chapter 5. Again, the writings of Paul, letter to the the church at Ephesus, where he's going to sort of unpack what do these roles look like. And I want you to notice they're pretty general. There is a lot of the specific working out of what men and women do in, in, in each marriage it's gonna look a little bit different, and that's okay, but there are some general things that I want us to touch on that I think are really important. Here's the first one. Starting with chapter five, verse 21, he says, to submit to one another, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So out of your loyalty, you're wanting to honor, to love, to lift high the value of Jesus because of what he's done for you. He says, I want you to take some of that love and loyalty, and I want you to direct it towards your spouse. I want you to direct it towards the other person, right? And so let's talk about this word submit. It gets misunderstood a lot too. Submit is simply an invitation to lead. It's an invitation to say, no, you go first. Invitation to say your needs, your interests, your concerns, your hurts, I'm going to put before my own because that's what Jesus did for me, I'm going to do it for you. And it's not just one person doing it, it's both people doing it. In other words, it's mutual submission, both putting the other person first. Mutual submission, both putting the other person first. This is the single most powerful relational principle in the world, in the universe. There is no more powerful thing than this. And if you don't believe it's true, just try in one of your relationships saying, nope, my way or the highway all the time, you will be a lonely person, right? Nobody can be in a relationship with someone who's not willing to put the other person first, some of the time, at least, but he's showing us, listen, this is how, this is the key to healthy relationships, but most people are not willing, they don't have the courage, they don't have the selflessness, they don't have the lack of pride that is required to unlock the door to having a great marriage, to having great relationships. But it's putting other people first. This is following Jesus. And he says, not only have you been made for this, you will find there is great joy and peace and love. The fruit of the Spirit will explode in your life. There is a deep satisfaction at the soul level that is hard to explain with words what happens when you begin to live out that Jesus role in those relationships. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, let's just dive into the next verse because now he talks to wives and to husbands specifically. Here's what he says Wives, here's what it looks like to submit, to invite, to lead yourselves to your own husbands as you would to the Lord. He always brings it back to the Lord. And the way you love, the way that you honor the Lord, take some of that, direct it towards your husbands. Now, husbands, you're gonna do the exact same thing, right? He talks about, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, husbands, I want you to love your wives. Now, I want you to know, in the New Testament, the word love is not referring to an emotion. It is an action. Jesus says, love your enemy, right? He wasn't saying, wait till you feel love, and then you can love your enemy. No, he's going, go love them, right now, love them. I don't, I don't really actually care how you feel, go love them, <laughs> Because there's something in the doing, it changes the way we feel. The feelings will change according to the doing. Where you put your treasure, there your heart will be also. He says, it's crazy how it works, but it's true. If you begin to serve someone, put them first, you will feel differently about them. Don't wait till you feel like it. Don't wait till you feel like it. You'll never feel like it, right? It's beautiful how this works. And he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her with a self-sacrificial love, where each person putting the other person first, loving them sacrificially, servant leadership for the guys, and strength submitted for the ladies, where we're working together, but there is mutual um, dignity, respect, equality, treating each other with value and as precious, This is what it means to have the Jesus role. Let's let's talk about this for just a minute. And here's what I want to do. I want to start by talking to the guys, because God started with the guys, all right? But I want to talk to the guys and challenge you with this Jesus role in the home. And Leslie, my wife, and I, I think it'd be really important to have a female perspective as we talk about the female role in the home. We are actually going to make some bonus video material tomorrow morning that will go with this message. you just like pretend like it's just tacked on to the end because I'm about to run out of time here, but I want you to hear from her too about what it means, ladies, to live out this Jesus role as a wife. We're going to put that out this week. So my hope and prayer is that will be a real encouragement to you as well. So here's what I want to do. I want to take the next few minutes and talk about the Jesus role for the guys. Okay, guys? So buckle up. I want to challenge you a little bit because for some of you, this may be brand new territory. Some of you may already be doing some of this stuff, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that maybe you're not doing it. Okay? Here's the first one. Daily, Every day, I want to challenge you to be seeking and knowing your Savior, Jesus, and taking time to read and get to know His Word. Now, I know you may not know anything about, you are like, I've never done that. Well, that's, that's kind of scary. Start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, what Jesus did, what He said, how He lived are recorded in those four books. You need to start with that and just start reading. I'm telling you, and and invite Jesus into the middle of your life and invite Jesus into the middle of your marriage. And start doing that every day. I'm challenging you to do that every day. And I want to also challenge you, here's the next one, I want you to begin to pray for your wife and if you have kids, start praying for your kids, okay? Now let me just say, Um, This is going to be a little nerve-wracking for some of you. I want you to also not just pray for them, like privately. I want you to pray with them, okay? Now, I know as soon as I say that, some of you guys are going, oh, man, we should have skipped church today. Woo! (laughs) This is going to be tough, especially if you grew up in a home where you didn't have a dad that modeled this. I love my dad. He was a Christian, but he did not model this in the home. So it, it feels awkward. If you've ever tried this, guys, it's going to feel awkward on the front end. I remember when I first started doing it with Leslie. It was like trying to grab her hand, like, "Hey, want to? Can I pray with? Or do you have a request that I could lift up?" Or we would, you would pray. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I don't know why it was so awkward. Like I can talk, I can speak to people most of the time, but it was something weird about that moment. I felt awkward, but she was gracious to me. And, and ladies, I would just encourage you: give him some grace right there right let him be a little awkward he's trying he's trying to do this and i'm telling you in time you will get better at it and it'll become more natural but it's like anything when you first start it's going to feel a little awkward and and find the time that's best for you right i I, and i think obviously praying for with your wife and then also praying for your children praying with your children Even when you say, well, they're so little, they're not even gonna hear or even notice. I'm telling you, they pick up on more than you think they do. It's crazy, and God will use those prayers, and you start to teach them how to pray for needs and concerns and things that your family's going through, you're going through. You just, you learn how to, you teach them how to pray. And here's another thing I wanna encourage you to do, that as you're starting to learn and you're growing in your relationship with Jesus, start sharing that with your wife. There's this whole other dimension to your relationship. For many of you, you've never developed the spiritual. I mean, you mean, you think about the emotional and the physical and all these other, but there's a spiritual dimension that adds a whole nother beautiful layer of intimacy between the two of you that when you begin to share, like, here's what God's teaching me. And sometimes it isn't always like, oh, that's wonderful. Sometimes it's hard. Like God's teaching me how to be nice to this jerk at work, right? And not hold my tongue and not cuss at him, okay? And um, yeah, sometimes it's that. But it's being honest. And then invite her. Like, tell me, I want you to share too. Like, what's happening in your life? How, you know, what's God doing in your life? And this leads into the next thing of like ministering to your wife, maybe you've never thought about the fact guys if you're a follower of Jesus Christ you are a uh, a Christian your first ministry on this planet is your wife and that you need to be in touch with how can i meet your needs and how can i be praying for you what are your stresses what's the tension you're feeling what are the hurts you're going through right now and what are the victories what are the great things that are going you need to know that what is she going through how can you help her how can you minister to her And I know some of you guys are going, dude, I'm so tired at the end of the day. I want to add something else on. I'm telling you, this is what Jesus said is the way to follow him, and it will bless you, and it will add an incredible layer to your, your marriage. And I'm telling you that when you selflessly serve your wife and you're doing things around the house, you're helping with the kids and different things, I'm telling you and I'm not saying this is the reason why, but there may be a greater responsiveness to you in a lovey-dovey kind of way later on when you love her better like that. I'm telling you God's saying this works. I got your back. This marriage, you think it's good. It could be way better. Like You just need to start taking these steps. Share with her. How can I minister to you? How can I help you? How can I be praying for you? Man, I'm telling you, that's huge. And here's the last one. I want to encourage you, you guys, make worshiping Jesus a priority for your family every week. And you don't have to always physically be here. Obviously, we stream these services every single weekend. Some of you are watching it right now online. And we are so glad that you're joining us. But I just want to encourage you to let your family... Have the blessing of being a part of the family of God. That these incredible people that pray for your kiddos and pour into them and care for them. And over here in the annex, the junior high and high school in our college ministry, man, it is awesome to have these other voices that are mimicking or, or echoing the wisdom of God into your kids' lives. Because I have testified to this many times how I will say something to my girls, but somebody else can say it. And they're like, oh my gosh, the most profound thing they told us today at church. And I'm like, I've said that a hundred times. That's wonderful. I'm so glad. But you need, that's the body of Christ working right. It's beautiful. It's powerful. There is, there's a synergy. There's this beautiful um, power that comes from us coming together. So I just want to encourage you to make that a priority. So those are some steps. There's many others, but this is a great place just to start to help you guys to get your footing and begin to...